Broadcasting live from a never-ending Twitter thread, this is Pop Culture Reference, your one-stop reference for all things pop culture. I'm one of your hosts, Garrett Strother. I'm one of your other hosts, Seamus Connolly. I'm Ricardo. I'm here. Let's start. Let's start the show. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And just so you, everybody out there knows, we know we were really, really late on last week's episode. We had some major technical difficulties that resulted in some, a lot of our audio being unusable. So it took a long time to stitch that one up together, but. It's out now by the time you're listening to this. Sorry for the delay, and we're on time this week, hopefully, so we'll just keep on rolling. All right, and since we have the maybe the biggest news day we've ever had on this show, I think we should get into the bulk of our episode. Absolutely. So we're going to start out with this week's auxiliary news before transitioning into what our actual main segment is going to be this week, which is the Disney Investor Day news dump that they had this week. Let's start off, though, with some Nickelodeon slash Paramount news, as iCarly is getting revived and coming to Paramount+. Plus. Damn. Big news. <laughs> I-, I guess they're going to be TikTok stars, you guys think? Is that how they're going to update iCarly. I hope they go through the trials and tribulations of modern social media. That's what we want to see. Yeah, man, iCarly as a concept was way ahead of its time. Do you think it's going to be a multicam sitcom again, or do you think they're going to try to do a huge tonal shift and have it be a single cam, more grounded This is dark and gritty iCarly, Garrett. (laughs) This is Zack Snyder presents iCarly. It's 10 years in the future. Sam and Freddy are divorced. Spencer, the brother, has been found murdered. It's all black and white. Well, the three that are coming back are Carly, Spencer, and Freddy. They haven't said that Sam is coming back. I know that she has been really vocal. You know, obviously, the original iCarly was a Dan Schneider production, which is a big yikes and she was one of the most vocal people about everything with Dan Schneider. So I am kind of skeptical that Jeanette McCurdy, I'm kind of skeptical that she would come back to iCarly after that experience and how vocal she's been about it. I didn't know she yeah, was we've... vocal about any of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. Because I'm is Schneider part of this new Paramount I Plus I don't think so. I haven't read anything to indicate that, at least. Well, I mean, regardless, I'm sure she's got some bad connotations to (coughs) iCarly after some of the stuff that she's come out and talked about, just how damn uncomfortable she felt in a lot of ways. But yeah, I mean, I didn't watch much iCarly. It's cute. I would be interested to see what competent writers could do with that concept with a modern twist, though I'm sure it's not going to be good. How does, does this I open up? even end? I'm trying to remember. I don't know. I and then because they also had the 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 spin-off show Sam and Cat where Sam and Ariana Grande from one of the other Nickelodeon shows were roommates. I don't think that really? was very a lo- that, that was a very short-lived show, I think. But I mean, I think it's it's technically after the iCarly finale, so I don't know if I don't know if they updated any of the other iCarly characters in that, you know. If you're bringing back iCarly, that opens the door. You gotta bring back the Univoice. 
Yeah, that's that's what I'm saying. There, where there's the you know Drake and Josh, and wasn't there another one in Zoe the... 101? Zoe 101. Yeah, is Zoe 101 is Zoe 101 in that universe? I didn't know that. I, isn't it? Yeah, it's all the same people. I was a big Zoe 101 fan. Oh, I mean, Victorious? come on, that was the best show. Okay, Victorious. That's the one that Ariana Grande's from. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe we'll see. Uh, you know, these evolve into big crossover events for people like us who grew up watching that stuff. I mean, I know, Garrett, you said you weren't a big iCarly watcher, but... I have a functioning knowledge of iCarly lore. Of course, Seamus, of course. Don't and get me wrong. I'm sure you were Drake and Josh? Is that... Oh, of course. Yes. Yeah, okay. who, who isn't Who isn't a Drake and Josh boy? Well, I, I um, hope we live to see that. Stuff. I think they're working. I think they're working on a Drake and Josh. Like I think they were already working on some kind of Drake and Josh revival. So, well, if, presumably this would be tied in. Well, if Miranda be. Cosgrove is going to be on both iCarly and Drake and Josh again, she's going to be she's going to be rolling in it. I don't think they're going to be doing a Drake and Josh, considering where Drake Bell is right now. Oh yeah, I almost forgot Drake Bell's. Uh, Major changes as of late, his name change and I guess his style changing to more Latin-inspired music. Which, insanity. Oh, I didn't know about any of this. Yeah, Drake Bell, if you didn't know, has changed his name to Drake Campana, which is Bell in Spanish, has moved to Mexico, <laughs> and is now a Latin pop star. Does he have any Hispanic no. heritage? <laughs> no. Great. But so, yeah. he apparently has a Sounds big fan really base cool. down there, so he figured, you know what, I'm doing way better down there than I am here, so mo- moving on up, I guess. I was just going to say, we'll see if the success of maybe this new iCarly show will bring him back to bring him back north to reprise his role if it's where the money is, who knows. All right. Up next, we're going to be following up on the big HBO Max slash Warner Brothers news from last week, where just just everybody is, is real mad about oh, it, and, yeah. I, and I can see why. Every, everyone's legendary big mad. Pi- <laughs> legendary Pictures apparently only had 30 minutes notice before the public announcement of the HBO deal, and it's sounding like they're probably going to be taking legal action against Warner Brothers. Christopher Nolan who's responsible for this entire mess to begin with, went on a whole tirade about how HBO is the worst streaming service and and he can't believe that Warner Brothers is doing this. I I know John M. Chu is really upset about it, Lin-Manuel Miranda, pretty much anybody who's involved with any of these movies that are moving to HBO are being very vocal about their displeasure with HBO and Warner Brothers. And I'm interested to see how that impacts the kind of deals that they get with talent going forward. Yeah, we were all real excited when we found out that we were going to get like content just directly given to us in such a crazy, you know, big quantity. I know we're talking about more giant drops today, but I I guess it was too good to be true when we can see that all this stuff is probably going to be wrapped up at least a little longer than what they said might be the release dates for a lot of the things that they were putting out. Yeah, I mean, I don't understand how Warner Brothers thought they were going to get away with essentially pulling one over on their production and distribution partners and their talent. That's just a bad way to do business, and 
it sounds like Gal Gadot had her deal amended when it comes to the new Wonder Woman, but a lot of other stars of other films going to HBO Max didn't have any kind of deal amendments made or weren't even really notified that the distribution was changing. So it's not a way to make friends and influence people is all I'm saying. It's the funniest part of this whole thing. They straight up didn't tell anybody. (laughs) This massive thing that's going to change the way movies are distributed for probably forever. That's how big this is. And they just didn't think to tell anybody. Well, I think it's more that they were more afraid to tell people, Ricardo. I don't think it's but still, you can't, absent-mindedness. I, I'm not saying it was absent-mindedness. I'm just saying that you really, no one thought it would be good to tell somebody? I think they were worried that they would ha- be facing legal action preemptively that would have kept them from making the deal to begin with. It's very underhanded, very shady. Yikes. I'm still watching Wonder Woman, though. <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, again, this is a deal that's great for the consumer. This is what we said last week. But the impact that it's going to have on the industry and the people that work in the industry is potentially very troubling. All right, so should we hop over to another corporate powerhouse making power plays? Yeah, it's just, this is just a little appetizer for what's more to come. We're in the Spider-Verse well, now, bitch. <laughs> Yes, we are going right into the Spider-Verse for Tom Holland's third outing as... Well, I guess it's not his third outing as Spider-Man, but his third primary Spider-Man film. We thought it was big news early in the week when they announced that Alfred Molina was back. Nah, man. Everyone's back. Everyone! (laughs) It's truly like Tom Holland is getting less and less of, like, the main spotlight as we go here, and I'm not... I love Tom Holland, but I am not upset with any of this news that I'm hearing. So, Tobey Maguire, Andrew Garfield, Kristen Dunst, and Emma Stone are all reprising their roles from their respective Spider-Man films in the newest Spider-Man movie. As are Jamie Foxx and Alfred Molina, like we already said. I think it's pretty obvious that we're going into the Spider-Verse no-holds-barred, and I'll be interested to see how they're able to pull this off. Obviously, I trust Sam Raimi. I think he's going to do a great job. And with introducing the multiverse, you know, who's directing the new Spider-Man? Is it John Watts again? Yeah, I'd assume so, right? So he has a pretty good handle, I think, on his universe and the tone that he has for Spider-Man, and when you're bringing in Raimi's guys, I'm assuming this might be setting up some kind of Spider-Man 4 for Raimi. Oh, wouldn't that be just the biggest extra surprise of that? I wouldn't hate that if they're it's kind of using this as a backdoor to get back into the Raimi-verse. I mean, this is all initially exciting news, though I will say I'm, I'm hesitant because it seems like this movie might get pretty bloated. Oh yeah, man, this could very easily turn into... Just a big old mess. Just the ghost of Spider-Man 3 past, maybe? Just, like, too much in one movie is just gonna make it... I mean, granted, I love Sam Raimi's Spider-Man 3, but if they thought that they were trying to fit in too much in that movie, this movie is gonna be just bonkers. It's gonna be overwhelming. I think the trick to this movie is going to be trusting the audience to remember enough about the other franchises and not spoon-feed it to them. 
but also have a strong narrative it with the MCU characters while the other universes are taking more of a backseat. Because if you're trying to do too much justice to those other franchises, the, the Sam Raimi Spider-Man franchise and the Amazing Spider-Man franchise, I think it's going to be really hard to fit all of that into one film. Where's Paul Giamatti? Oh, go to hell, Ricardo. <laughs> They're going to freeze frame ending this back. one too. Everyone else gets to come back. What if- what if the opening shot of this new Spider-Man is the continuation of the freeze frame ending from Amazing Spider-Man? Oh, 2? And then I'll forgive it. I'll forgive it forever. <laughs> well, that's when maybe that's when the Doctor Strange portal opens and Spidey gets sucked through. There we it. go. Or Spidey and Rhino. There's your Paul Giamatti intro. <laughs> Paul Giamatti's the main bad guy. Yeah. Sorry. I was just gonna say there's also a world where you know a lot of this multiverse stuff gets. I feel like I'm scared to get my hopes too far up if they just, like, it's just an after credit scene where all the Peter Parkers and love interests are having falafel together or whatever. Just, like, a little extra gag or something, but... They're at the How It Should Have Ended Super Cafe. Yeah, some some BS like that where everybody's just, like, hyped the whole time to see, you know, Toby or something, and then he's just, like, a little... Just, meh, meh, he's a little Easter egg for you. I think... I, I mean, I hope it's two scenes that's i don't hope it's more than that to be honest we need balance we need middle ground between like the whole movie is three spider-men whipping around versus just an after credit scene yeah it balance is going to be the key especially considering the rumor is it's sounding more and more official that charlie cox's daredevil from the netflix daredevil series is also going to be in this movie jesus christ multiverse spider-verse indeed i i love this news if like, this is very big if true. This is finally the first implication since the ending of Punisher. Was that the last Netflix show? I don't even know. I, I dropped off after Daredevil Season 2. Yeah, I, I slipped out of there after the first Defender season, but... Yeah, same Isn't here. that the only Defender season? Oh, is there, is there only one? Yeah, there's only the one. Oh, well, I dropped off after that. I tried Punisher, didn't really click for me all that well, but this could... You know, this could be big to finally bring in, you know, Luke Cage back, Jessica Jones, big screen stuff. I was really, back before we didn't know too much about Endgame and Infinity War and stuff, I was kind of hoping that they'd get a little bit of a an attaboy, get a little scene of them running through the streets or something, but, you know, it's been all radio silent. They, there's been no updates on the shows, they've been kind of cold for a couple of years, so I would love to see Charlie Cox as Daredevil again, because he was just, he kills it in that show. I was just saying, Kingpin, we Sorry, might get to see go. Kingpin again, Vincent D'Onofrio. Oh, yes. Yes, I would like to see him come into the MCU. I know D'Onofrio really wants into the MCU. Kingpin's I always think... been like a Spider-Man secondary villain, too. Seeing him hang out with Tom Holland, I think that could be fun. For sure. I mean... You could do it Spider-Man PS4 style, where the opening of the movie is him taking out Kingpin. Yeah, exactly. It could. It could. I have a lot of high hopes for this movie, and now I'm just getting more hyped as the weeks go. But we'll we'll circle back to Marvel. Don't you guys worry. But let's finish up our news. Uh, Taylor Swift has dropped her second album as a surprise since March. We had we had folklore earlier in the year and now she's surprise dropped her newest album evermore i haven't had the chance to listen to it yet but folklore was really solid she 
is clearly doing work in quarantine, putting the rest of us to shame. Yeah, I, uh, I'm i not a big Taylor Swift person in general, but it is impressive to see the consistency of this content coming out right now. Ricardo, what are your thoughts on Taylor Swift? I, I, I'm not really a fan. I'm, I don't hate her or anything. Whenever I would hear her music would be like on the radio, but I don't really listen to the radio anymore. What is a radio? <laughs> this was back when we went places and we had to get into cars. What? No. Who goes places? I don't places? believe you. <laughs> I'm just imagining the two of you driving around town, having a great time listening to Taylor Swift together. That would be so cute, Ricardo. We should do that <laughs> after we can do things again. What? What is she doing? Like She's doing something with her old stuff? So, we covered this on the podcast last year. Basically, she has a dispute with her old record company that, where essentially she's not getting the royalties she's owed, despite the fact that, you know, she wrote and performed all of her old back catalog. So, since she still owns the rights to the original music, just not those recordings of those songs, she's re-recording her entire back catalog to so that she can release them in a way that she's actually getting the royalties that she's owed, essentially. So in addition to these two new albums that she's churned out, she's also in the midst of re-recording her entire back catalog, which there was that Ryan Reynolds ad for Match.com a couple weeks ago where they debuted her first of those songs to be released, which is her love story re-recording. I did not see any Ryan Reynolds dating thing, but that makes a lot of sense. He's the devil, and he's dating 2020 incarnate. Oh, wow. Look at that. Topical. (laughs) You know, they're going to gyms where the equipment's all blocked off, and they're going to movie theaters. Oh, wow. That's so fun. Well, I'm excited to hear this new album. I'm excited to hear her re-recordings. Maybe I can... Maybe I could turn you guys into Swifties by the time the podcast yeah, is Yeah, maybe. Done. I've seen her in concert. Maybe I should just lean into it. Here's a piece of news that we seemingly willed into being. Yeah. We mentioned this on the podcast a few weeks ago. And Telltale, which is now under new ownership, Telltale Games, has re-released some of their old back catalog that's been unavailable for a long time, including Strong Bad's Cool Game for Attractive People, Telltale Texas Hold'em, and, most importantly, Wallace and Gromit's Grand Adventures. Insanity. We just talked about this. <laughs> I am so happy. Um, I don't have a computer that I can play it on because it's only for Windows on Steam. But, you know, that's, a, that's just a small problem to overcome to play Wallace and Gromit's Grand Adventures. I'm, we are going to have such a fun time playing playing that game and honestly i didn't i've never even heard of strong bad's cool game for attractive people and i used to love homestar runner i assume that's the same property it's supposed to be really fun from what i've read so maybe we'll have to check that one out too seamus you've got a pc go they're on 15 dollars right now oh on Steam. man yeah. let us know that's great buy us the wallace and gromit game yeah maybe i will but with that it's time to move into our main segment the Disney Investor Day news dump for the next five years. So Just the big old, let's go ahead big old Disney dump. So we're going to go ahead and break down all of this giant Disney Investor Day news kind of by category, which is essentially how they tweeted it out as well 
But the first thing we're going to talk about up top is that Disney is going to be releasing a kind of Hulu alternative internationally outside of the United States called Star, which will be a separate tab in the Disney Plus app where you can go into to access mature content. So since Disney Plus has stuff that's all supposedly PG-13 or under content-wise, if you go into the Star category on the Disney Plus app, that's where you'll be able to see, you know, your Hulu originals, your more adult Fox content, other more adult Disney content, stuff like that. That kind of gives me hope that they'll do something similar here in the States, because that's been one of our major complaints, is that it feels like they're holding back a lot of stuff on Disney+, Plus, including pre-existing properties like Adventures in Babysitting and Splash that they've had to censor in order for it to meet their, like, standards for what they can put onto the service. Yeah, I'd love to see that yeah. implemented implemented in, in where we are. <laughs> just, it's... It would be nice. Like you said, there's mm. some weird censorship stuff, and just to have it more as a complete package, I suppose, instead of switching back and forth, paying for two for one, whatever you want to call it, it would be nice to have. So yeah, with that, should we move into our Hulu news? Let's do it. We had just an absolute slew of new Hulu series announced. First up, Only Murders in the Building, which will be Steve Martin and Martin Short, uh, and also starring Selena Gomez in a new comedy series. Sounds interesting. I have, I mean, I like all three of those people. Yeah, very confused a little bit between the three stars here, but I love Martin Short and Steve Martin together. I think they, they've done some fun stuff, and I, I've got nothing against Selena Gomez. I like the Wizards of Waverly Place, but... I feel like it's going to be a lot more spotlight on the two Martins. Well, I'm hoping, you know, that they're folding Steve Martin and Martin Short into the Wizards of Waverly Place universe. We can only pray. Oh, is that what this is? (laughs) Up next, Kate McKinnon will be playing the con artist Elizabeth Holmes, who had a documentary, an HBO documentary made about her pretty recently. I'm trying to remember exactly when that came out like she was a like a year or two ago healthcare entrepreneur yeah like a year ago and she was a healthcare entrepreneur that essentially scammed a bunch of people out of a lot of money and it'll be interesting to see kate mckinnon take that on we've also got a fx on hulu adaptation of the vertigo comic why the last man do you guys know anything about this franchise series? I've definitely heard about it for a long time, and I've like I've seen it in a lot of when I used to go to like comic shops and stuff, and know more about that. That was definitely on the. It was it was a big talk a lot. I, it yeah, looked... we talked about this for like uh, ten seconds when we talked about chaos walking. Oh right, yes, we did talk about that. You're yeah, right, so it's Ricardo. Kind of like that. Sounds interesting. We'll we'll have to see as more comes out. This is definitely the thing I'm most excited about from the Hulu news. Another team up between FX and Hulu is a Noah Hawley who made Fargo and Legion is working on a alien series set on Earth. I'm this is definitely what I'm most excited about too in this in this Hulu section. I just they've been doing a lot of good interesting work in the alien universe in the last couple years and you know i don't think 
I have like obviously I'm going to go in with some cautious optimism, but I'm I'm very excited just to see how they're going to bridge some of the gaps of the you know the the classic Alien universe into the the newer stuff that they they've been producing with uh, Michael Fassbender. They're bringing the Xenomorphs to Earth. Well, I it's probably going to be like people on Earth going out to see them Xenomorphs. I don't know. I'm very curious to see how they're going to handle it because I also know that the alien timeline and how everything lines up is kind of messy right now because after aliens some stuff gets kind of weird and contradictory and and kind of all over the place in terms of quality as well and i think there i'm sure there are comics that kind of clear all that up but i'll be interested to see this new take on the alien franchise especially with that showrunner i haven't seen it but everything i've heard about fargo has been amazing I've watched the first few episodes and really liked what I saw and then just never went back to it. But for the final bit of Hulu news, which is really more FX news, that It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia has been renewed through season 18. So there's going to be at least four more seasons, making it the longest running live action sitcom in TV history. Right on, baby. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm just very happy for them. I, I love this show. I know, Ricardo, you are a big, big fan as well. Garrett, I'm not sure your relationship with It's Always Sunny, actually. I've watched the first several seasons. It's not really for me. I think it's brilliant. I like the cast a lot. I, I see everything that everybody loves about it. It's just a little bit too mean yes, for me. Yes, it's very mean. I understand. <laughs> and it's just not a world I enjoy spending time in. I can appreciate it, you know, as a marvel of writing and of satire and just of comedy in general, but it's it's not my favorite show in the world. Like I said, I can... I watched the Christmas special, like, last night. <laughs> <laughs> Granted, that Christmas special is fantastic, so I, I kind of understand where you're coming from, Garrett, with the... It is very mean, it's very gross it's very over the top but i think like you said it is so impressive in so many ways and i'm glad that it's you know it's making some history with this newest update so i'm i i hope they don't overstay like so many great shows have ended up doing in their final seasons but from what i've seen with their newer stuff it's still like really really funny really well done it's amazing how consistent they are there hasn't been a season that stood out as like oh that was really bad or they haven't been the same since whatever it's been pretty steady it's like oh great another it's always sunny season and it's still funny as it was 18 years ago all right should we move on to some star wars all news? of the star wars news there's so yeah, much just... star wars news <laughs> We'll talk about this more at the end of all of the news, but do you guys also feel like this is a huge misstep in terms of they gave us way too much content announcements all at once when any of these things individually I would have been really excited about, but I'm literally nauseous because there's too much to process from what they've announced. It's a lot. You're not wrong. I mean, they could have stretched this amount of content out over years and years and years and we would have been satisfied just if they kept up the consistent quality of something like the mandalorian but they just like oh you like the mandalorian have everything be the mandalorian have everything so 
it's proof to me that Disney is still very much under the Bob Iger attitude of if it makes money, we're going to saturate the market with it until people don't like it anymore, which is disappointing to me, especially because that kind of works for something like Marvel. But Star Wars, I think it's been proven that it does not work for Star Wars, and this is way too much Star Wars content. But also, I think just the sheer idea of laying out every piece of media for the next five years that the largest entertainment company in the world will be creating, laying that all out in a single day is way too overwhelming, regardless of how good it's all going to be. I mean, if it's going to all happen anyway, does it really factor in a whole lot? Like, when you figure out or when you hear it's happening? Well, why it doesn't allow us to actually be excited about in the same way, I don't think... The things that are being discussed, it I think it takes away some of the impact of learning what different artists and different creators are working on. It makes it just feel like a very cold, very impersonal, here's all the stuff, you like it, right? Hmm. I mean, I definitely get what you're saying in a lot of ways. This was a, like, this was a lot, but I will say we, we have Sorry. this... I feel like we, we got a lot of a similar thing when they were announcing, like, every Marvel show that was going to go down and all the, you know, all when Disney Plus was launching initially and all the stuff that was going to be on that. It was more of just, like, a big tease teaser day of just, like, this is eventually going to come. That's fine. This is all dated for, like, the next, like, one to three years, pretty much, all this Star Wars stuff. It's... Yeah, it's the next, the next five, five years, years, I think, of Star Wars. Or, in, of content in general. But, yeah, the next five years of and Star Wars. And I think it's probably going to go the way of a lot of that other Marvel content, which was inevitably pushed back for whatever many reasons, including a giant global pandemic. And I think that this is more of, like, a... Kind of like a wish list for them of, like, we'll definitely try to sell you all this Star Wars in the next five years, but I think it'll probably be less than we're intending here. See, that's part of it, is that more isn't better because when you're dealing with so many projects, inevitably, things change, the the cultural landscape changes a lot, especially in turbulent times like these. And so it seems naive and almost dystopian to me to just drop all of this at once when there's no way that this plan is going to stay in place it, it it feels bad for the company it feels bad for the creator and it feels bad for the consumers to me i just don't i don't see an upside to this it feels like they're trying to recapture that like you said when they teased out every single thing that was going to be on disney plus on launch day but the difference with that is most of those things were content we were already familiar with, content that we already liked, and it wasn't attempting to process like, oh, so there's a new Alien show, and 10 new Star Wars shows, and 15 new Marvel shows, and all this Pixar news, and all this Disney news, and... Yeah, man, I told... It's new information. It's too much new information. And, you know, that being said, actually our first piece of this Star Wars news has been, uh... I think been being worked on since Rogue One. Is that true? We've definitely had a couple years of rumor about uh, the Andor series that they released this sizzle reel for. Yeah, they've been teasing this out for a couple years. Uh, the first few bits of Star Wars information are things we already knew that have just been 
expanded upon, which I don't mind at all. So yeah, we got our new Andor sizzle reel, which is obviously set before the events of Rogue One. And I mean, it's clear Diego Luna is super excited about it. I like that character and I'm excited to see what they can do with the concept of a spy thriller series set in the Star Wars universe. Yeah, a lot of that sizzle reel too also looked like, you know, pre a lot it's it's kind of like uh some of the themes in Rebels of just like pre-rebellion building that like network trying to like become the rebels that are, you know, iconic from the original is it's going to be a lot of that revolution and like you said, espionage, spy stuff that we we already know that we're gonna be seeing. I Go. love that bit of the, the creature shop that we got to see in that sizzle. Oh reel. yeah, yes, Neil Scanlon, who does all of the creature and droid effects for the movies, is doing all the creature and droid effects for the show. So it, clearly, they're not pulling any punches with this show. That that was a big emphasis of the reel was like we're putting as much effort and money into this as we would a feature Yeah, film. that was like every interview was like, we are treating this like a movie, so it's going to be the quality of a movie. It says 12 episodes, so I'll be interested to see if this is a limited series or if this is, you know, going to be something they're going to try to pull out into multiple seasons. It's been sounding like a lot of these Disney shows are going to be limited series. I don't think they can sustain something for this of this budget for that long. I agree. And, I, and I'll and i be interested to see how, what is improved and enhanced by that and what stories are kind of held back by that. I'm, I'm very curious to see how all these pan out. But let's talk about our next Di- Star Wars series that we knew was coming, officially titled Obi-Wan Kenobi. Not Kenobi, as it was rumored. But the the big reveal of this, other than the logo and the title, are the fact that Hayden Christensen will be reprising his role as Darth Vader in this series. Big news! That's big! Huge I'm news. going to be interested to see, because I can only imagine that it's going to be Hayden Christensen as gross, gray, helmetless Darth Vader that we get glimpses of in the original trilogy. And, yeah, no, I'm, I was sorry. just going to say, it's going to probably... I don't know, maybe lead into a lot, or it might draw a lot from these really awesome Vader comics and expanded universe uh, stories that give, you know, it finally gives Darth Vader a little more intimidation, a little more uh, fear that he actually puts out. I love Darth Vader in the original trilogy, but he really only gets, like, frightening Darth Vader when it's, like, the end of Rogue One. And I hope, and I guess I assume, they're going to be pulling a lot of that more in with Hayden. I'll be interested to see how they use him in this series, for sure, and how he'll play in... Is it going to be parallel stories? Is there going to be bits where Obi-Wan leaves Tatooine? Because it's set ten years after the events of Revenge of the Sith, so approximately ten years before the events of Episode Four. It'll be really interesting. I wonder if we'll get flashbacks That's what I was thinking too. with Clone Wars era Hayden Christensen and Ewan McGregor. Maybe Rosario Dawson getting de-aged a little bit. That could be very interesting. And it would be a nice way to make that character feel um, like she's part of the same universe as the prequels. Because I will say I recently rewatched the prequels with my girlfriend Annie 
And between uh, during episode three, I kept thinking, oh, so Ahsoka just did whatever, yeah. you know. It's very jarring when you, like, go from, like, you watch the Clone Wars and jump into Revenge of the Sith, and there's not even a a mention or a nod or anything. I, obviously, for obvious reasons, it was made before Ahsoka was even a thing, but feels like a lot is missing there when you base so much of the canon on the Clone Wars for the prequels. Absolutely. But up next, speaking of the Clone Wars, we have a new Clone Wars sequel series, The Bad Batch. It's got a new trailer, and I really don't care about this even a little bit. Did you watch the new season of The Clone Wars? I have not seen the new season of The Clone Wars. I'm aware of The Bad Batch, that they are these genetically modified clones that have more independence uh, than your standard clone battalion, but that's about yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty much it. I mean, I've o- I only saw a couple episodes of the new <laughs> stuff, but Ricardo, I know you're loving the Mando. I assume you couldn't give a damn about the Bad Batch. I don't know what the Bad Batch is. Oh, well, yeah, it's pretty much what Garrett said. It's uh, an elite squad of clone troopers that are just like they're kind of crazy and they do things in unorthodox ways and they don't like follow the you know straight line path that a lot of other clone troopers would I guess it's I don't know it's interesting it's not gonna be as major as like the Clone Wars revival itself or Mando or anything like that but I'm sure it'll be fun they'll they'll sprinkle in some stuff that'll be like new and canon that we have to watch to be all caught up but I think at this point it's probably going to be just on the back burner of my attention until it's actually out. The thing that interests me most about this is the idea of seeing the transition of the clone army being phased out as the Empire is rising to power and how they're replacing these clones that have served their purpose. And I you know, you you see Tarkin, you see the Emperor in this new trailer. So I'll be interested to see where they take this series, but at the same time I just don't really care. Yeah. Up next, this is probably I think the the thing that I was most excited about because Annie and I were kind of keeping up with the Twitter thread, but this, we had no idea what was coming. Did you guys watch this trailer here, this video that Patty Jenkins yeah, I tweeted thought it was out? Yeah. So, I mean, I had no idea what this was going to be. And it starts out her talking about her dad was a fighter pilot and she wants to make the greatest greatest fighter pilot movie of all time. And that this story is really personal to her. And I was wondering, I was like, what kind of movie is this going to be? Is it going to be about her dad? What is it going to... And then she puts on her... X-Wing flight suit, it starts walking towards an X-Wing, and they drop the Rogue Squadron logo, which is a huge part of Legends, and was a couple of really highly acclaimed video games back in the 90s, and so I'll be very interested to see what Patty Jenkins does with this intellectual property, bringing it into the new Disney canon. So it's Top Gun, but Star Wars. <laughs> That's what I was thinking, too. Kind of, yeah. I'm definitely going to be... I'm going to be very interested to see if they lean more into the, like, war side of the Star Wars, like they did with Rogue One, where it's like they bring a lot more of the gritty combat to it, especially because, like, how great are the space battles in Star Wars, right? I, if it's going to be... 
a huge focus on that and how interesting they can make these like space dog fights i'm i'm all for it i i mean i also loved the games back in the day from a million years ago when i could play them but i don't know i'm i'm very much looking forward to this one yep it's coming christmas 2023 and i'm very interested to see this as it progresses and it's a movie should we mention that it's the first star wars movie since uh rise of skywalker yes yeah I so i'm glad they're taking time off i'm really i'm really glad that it's not like oh there's gonna be a new star wars movie next year you know and we it's nice to have a break and we never have to hear the name skywalker ever again i also wonder it seems like they've dropped the whole star wars story naming device that's fine i i won't miss it too oh, much yeah. <laughs> No, neither will I. I'm just wondering how they'll how they'll market it to make sure everybody knows it's a Star War. You know what I mean? Other than yeah, the X-Wings. of course. All right, but um, speaking of X Wings, a new Disney Plus original series set within the timeline of the Mandalorian, Rangers of the New Republic, is coming out, and I can only assume that this is going to be following our friends, uh, the guy com- from Kin's Convenience and. Dave Filoni? Oh, I I took this as it's going to be about Cara Dune and uh, Cobb Vanth. Aren't they rangers? Or they're marshals. Sorry, that's different. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised to see them on this show, too, because there was that rumored Cara Dune spinoff. Anyway, I would guess this is going to be a pretty direct spinoff from The Mandalorian, probably even crossing over quite a bit with The Mandalorian. And I'll be interested to see what this is more as we learn about it. Also kind of in tandem with that, there's also another Disney Plus original series set within the timeline of The Mandalorian that is firmly spinning off from it, which is the Rosario Dawson-helmed Ahsoka series. That's major news too. I mean, I knew it was rumored a little bit uh, per her casting in season two, but that's pretty major. They, they Like you said a couple weeks ago... On the Mando Bros, they really tease a very important and singular side story of her with Thrawn and maybe Ezra, if we get there. But I have a feeling that that's exactly what this show is going to be. Probably limited run series, but I'm I'm not complaining about that either. Is this what the Mandalorian really been for? Is that why he keeps going to places and meeting people? <laughs> for spinoffs? Well, we'll talk about this in our Mandalorian episode breakdown for this week, but I feel like actually the Mandalorian this season has been really good at paying off and giving purpose to a lot of the side questy episodes from even last season, that they're bringing in new reasons that those episodes happened and making the story feel more cohesive and fully formed. But yeah, it does seem an awful lot like Season 2's been doing a lot of legwork to set up these new spin-off series. Ricardo, is this going to push you at all to really dive into the Clone Wars? I mean, I might check out the Ahsoka show, and if that really hits, I might double back, see see the origins. Right on, okay. I'll be very curious to see how much you have to know about Rebels to see the Ahsoka show, because this plotline seems to be picking up pretty directly from the 
the end of Rebels. So, I'm curious to see what we all have to know. Up next, we've got a couple of more vague stories coming down the pipeline. There is a new series of animated short films set in the Star Wars galaxy created by Japanese anime creators called Star Wars Visions coming in 2021 to Disney+. Plus. Star Wars the anime, baby! I'm straight up pumped for this, man. Star Wars, absolutely. Star Wars has always had its roots so firmly in Japanese culture and Japanese cinema and in turn has influenced so much, I think, anime and just science fiction as a whole. It'll be very interesting to see these two things married together. Also coming down the pipeline, Justin Simeon, creator of Dear White People, is in the early stages of developing a Lando Calrissian event series for Disney+. They've not confirmed who's going to be in it. It could be Billy Dee Williams, could be Donald Glover. I personally kind of hope it's both, with a little bit of that Young Indiana Jones Chronicles flipping back and forth between the timelines. Nah, on screen together, same time. <laughs> they gotta bring in the crystal from the Lego Star Wars Christmas special. Honestly, yeah, right. Would watch. I'm I'm on board with you though. Of like the let's do some time jumps. Let's get these two iconic actors. You know, let's get them both in the role. I I loved uh, Lando in the Solo movie. Of course, I love Billy D. I you know. I'm I'm gonna be glad that this hopefully means we'll see more live action swashbuckling. You know, we see a little bit of Lando in Rebels, I believe, but I want to see more. I want to see more and more important swashbuckling. Yes, I'm excited to see what what this is building towards. Up next, Leslie Headland is developing a new mystery thriller series called The Acolyte, which is set in the final days of the High Republic. So this could be our ticket into some of those Legends High Republic stories being brought into canon, I think. What What is the High Republic now? The High Republic is the... I believe it was announced with the book series that they were working on recently. It's like the peak of Jedi... Right? Am I wrong here? It's like the peak of Jedi government in like thousands of years before the prequels, the society that like fell to the rise of the Sith again, I believe. Yeah, so, that's exactly hey, right. Old Republic, I'm I'm so in. High Republic might get me to get into those books that they're releasing and I just like that, you know, like Ricardo is gravitates a lot towards the stories that do not have anything to do with the Skywalkers and anything to do with you know all the stuff that you quote unquote have to watch before you get into it. So this is gonna be uncharted territory for the live action stuff, and I'm very excited. Yeah, I have no idea. I have no idea what the acolyte means, but the prospect of a Star Wars mystery thriller, Star Wars mystery thriller, I'm I'm all hyped up for that. Final piece of Star Wars news, Lucasfilm Animation and ILM are teaming up to develop a, quote, Star Wars adventure called A Droid Story, which will be an epic journey with a new hero guided by R2-D2 and C-3PO. The inclusion of ILM in there really intrigues me. I wonder if they're going to be trying out some kind of new 
multimedia technology. There's even rumors that it might be Ooh. in virtual reality or at or virtual reality compatible. Sounds like they might do interactive. But, like the whole choose your own adventure thing they've been doing for a lot of different Oh, that's interesting. Things. Oh, that's true. Like Bandersnatch it. That'd be interesting. I don't know. That's all very vague. I don't think there's much to say about that, but it sounds interesting. We're one step closer to getting droid back <laughs> on the air. Let's move into some Disney news, boys. Which is also going to be kind of wrapped up with Pixar. First off, we've got, you know, of course, we've got some Disney announcements, which can only mean live-action remakes. And coming from Robert Zemeckis and starring Tom Hanks, here comes a live-action Pinocchio, which I can only imagine is going to be some primo mocap nightmare fuel. Tom Hanks is Pinocchio? I'm assuming Tom Hanks is Geppetto, but also I'm really hoping Tom Hanks doesn't pull our express yes, style mocap. I like Pinocchio that idea. Well. He plays both. <laughs> I That's will what I'm saying. Never see this movie, boys, I'm being honest with you. <laughs> <laughs> You're a hardcore Pinocchio stand. Oh god. <laughs> Any hardcore Pinocchio stands out in the woodworks, I'm sure they're gonna be crushed by this weird movie. Oh, out in the woodwork, Seamus. I'm a real I'm boy. I'm making jokes without even realizing it. Look at me. <laughs> also coming is Peter Pan and Wendy, starring Yara Shahidi from Blackish as Tinkerbell and Jude Law as Captain Hook. Why we still feel the need to make Peter Pan movies in 2020 is beyond me. It should have it should have ended with Hook. Here man. It comes. Jude Law. <laughs> Jude Law is Captain Hook, I will say. I'm I'm kind of into that. I might watch it for that. <laughs> I love I love Peter Pan. It's just there hasn't been a good Peter Pan movie in so. You long. didn't like that weird Hook prequel that came out a couple years ago where they're all chanting Nirvana. Pan, I did not see. Neither Pan, did I. Shavis. Come on, I'm sorry. I saw Peter and the Starcatcher on Broadway. That was pretty good. But this is just gonna be. It's just gonna be more live action nonsense, man. It's not gonna not gonna be Broadway for you. I promise. No. I suspect not. I will say I am excited for our next film, uh, in Encanto, 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 yeah. Set in a Disney, a new Disney animated film set in Colombia with a magical family living in a magical house. And the teaser is really short but effective. I'm drawn in. I'm excited to see what the deal is here. I'm 100% on board. We got music from Lin-Manuel Miranda in there, too. Bring this movie on. Sure. I love it. But, I mean, you guys know how I feel about this next piece of news. This is big. <laughs> this next one's big. And that's what I'm saying. I feel like there's so much big news here that is just kind of buried because there's so much information. Otherwise, I'd be able to just focus on how excited I am about Pixar's new film, Lightyear. Starring Chris Evans as Buzz Lightyear. It's not about the toy Buzz Lightyear, but it's the in-universe feature film off of which the Buzz Lightyear toys would have been based. I love it. Come <laughs> on. That's awesome. Brilliant. This is, this is, again, the first step in getting Star Command back on the air. Well, yes, that's what I thought, too. It kind of makes me wonder if the reason that Star Command isn't on Disney Plus yet is because they were saving it to put on to help promote this movie. Oh, that's very... That could be true. I 
I could see that. I mean, anybody who's going to be as excited as us about Lightyear is going to be excited about Star Command anyway. Maybe they'll put so. out the complete or, series on Blu-ray. Ooh, or I was going to say this could also be a way for them to reboot Star Command for Disney Plus, a Disney Plus original. I would love to see that. You know that. All right, but up next from Disney, we have a first-of-its-kind collaboration between Disney Animation and the Pan-African Entertainment Company, Kugali, that will team up to create an all-new science fiction series for Disney Plus in 2022, Owaju. I think I'm saying that correctly. I, I think wouldn't so, yeah. know. <laughs> Which, it's, it's a very early stages of development, but we've got a very cool piece of Afro-futuristic concept art of this major metropolitan city with these two figures who i'm assuming are the main characters one who maybe is from the poorer part of the city and one who's from the more extravagant part of the city is what it's looking like to me i'm loving this concept art oh it looks gorgeous and i'm really excited to see I, where they take this i can't not think though this just looks like wakanda the animated series yeah, I mean, I think it's been drawing that comparison a lot, not only because, you know, I think Afrofuturism does get kind of painted with a broad brush, but also, obviously, I would imagine that since Disney's involved a lot of the same creative notes and maybe even some of the same creators that would have been in charge of developing the look of Wakanda for the MCU could be involved with this new Afrofuturistic series. But hey, it looks rad, so... Yeah, totally. Up next, Diary of a Wimpy Kid is getting an all-new animated film coming, what is probably looking like the holidays 2021. He's back, boys. <laughs> You've been waiting? Have you not? <laughs> you, you camped out for the midnight release of the Roderick Rules live-action movie, is that right? You're telling me Diary of a Wimpy Kid wasn't a huge part of your childhood? Well, of course it was. I, lo- I, I probably read, like, the first five or six maybe i don't know if they were and if they had all come out by the time i was reading them like that but i don't know i it was fun when i was reading them back in the day i just feel like it's a strange property to keep bringing back up when it very clearly failed the first time i guess maybe that is probably a symptom of the live action aspect of it so if this is better than those ones then yeah i'll i'll be interested i agree this is yeah i think we were going to say the same thing again and now it's animated like it should have been to begin with Uh, absolutely ricardo i agree also seamus you're a loaded diaper fan how many other albums do you have on vinyl i'd wear i'd wear a loaded diaper band tour t-shirt come on (laughs) also coming to disney plus in a new animated film Sean Levy is directing a new Night at the Museum. Insane. I didn't think we were going to make it back to the Night at the Museum. Yeah, right? Who would have thought of all the franchises to come back? I mean, <laughs> I mean I'm, I'm happy. I mean, I love Night at the Museum, but definitely surprised. It's a wonderful concept. It's a wonderful world to play in. The first movie, we talk about this all the time, is just so good. You think Ben yeah. Stiller will come back? Well, that's the trick, isn't it? When it's animated, you don't have to pay any of the voice talent or worry about recasting Robin Williams for live action. You just kind of plug in whoever sounds vaguely like those characters. Then we might be getting a new trilogy out of this. You think so? With the sun? 
Oh, you that's a good idea. Yeah. You don't think they would do bad. that? Yeah, the sun, that's a good idea. I like that. I like it being the sun. Yeah, I was going to only... say it was just going to be Disney inverse. We're making animated remakes of live action movies. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, that's pretty much everything we're getting here between Wimpy Kid and Night at the Museum. And I don't even think we talked about the Lion King prequel, but who gives a gives So a damn. it's begun. <laughs> just back and forth forever now, boys. This is it. Speaking of bringing back old animated things, Chip and Dale are getting their own live-action animated feature starring John Mulaney and Dale. Andy Samberg. Insane. Insane. I love both of these men. Rescue Rangers is totally solid. Who doesn't love the Rescue Rangers? I heard they My were God. doing this, but I didn't give it a whole lot of thought until I saw this image and saw who the new Chip and Dale are. And now I'm on board. Bring it right now. I w- I'm all in for this movie. Yeah, I'm excited about this. I'm glad it's not going to be a series and that they're just going all out with the with a movie that'll probably spark, you know, however many sequels when it's successful because it's John Mulaney and Andy Samberg. But I think you're forgetting about the Disney Plus series, Seamus. That will be oh, following. that will 100% happen in the next. It'll get announced next year when they do a thousand more things to drop. I'm trying oh, to remember which one is Chip. I John Mulaney is Chip. I think he's the Indiana Jones one. Oh, you meant, like, what are they dressed as, my bad. Yeah. So Dale's the Magnum P.I. one. Let me check. I don't want to get this wrong and have the Chip and Dale <laughs> fandom on our tails. <laughs> Ooh, our tails. Good one. Because if it's a duo and John Mulaney's playing, like, the more competent one, it feels like it's just going to be Chipmunk Oh Hello. Oh, wait, no. No, <laughs> Dale is the Magnum P.I. one. See, we did get it wrong. So Dale is Andy Samberg and Chip is John Mulaney. I think that, yeah, that works. Yeah, it makes sense to me. That makes sense to me. Chipmunk, oh, hello, bring it on. (laughs) Yes. Up next, news I never thought that I would get, but I'm so glad to hear. Disenchanted is happening. It's coming to Disney Plus, and Amy Adams is back as Giselle. Insanity. It's been a long time, boys. It's been a long time since the first Enchanted. It's been like eight years, I want to say. Is, it, is that right? I kind of... I, it's been longer than eight years. I think that movie came out... Yeah, that movie came out in 2007. It's been 13 years. Holy wow. God. Back from the dead. I mean, we... We genuinely... I mean, I think we do. We regard this movie pretty highly. It's a good movie. I remember movie rocks, really yeah. liking it. I think it's definitely the best Disney self-parody. I think so, too. And I kind of thought that Godmother might be in the, which is that new Disney Plus movie that's out, might be in the same universe as Enchanted, but they didn't, I guess they didn't say that directly. It's but yeah, it could be. Makes, late. Well, it makes me wonder if they're announcing, you know, Disenchanted is official. See, so yeah, I'm excited. I am excited. Me too. This one is going to be, I, this, I don't often love like a super long gap between sequels but this is just this will be nice there's no as far as i remember there was no sequel set up at the end of the first one really so i'm sure it'll be a fun and unexpected time i hope they bring james marston back he deserved an oscar for that first one all right there's a whole slew of animated series based on pre-existing properties shocker coming to disney plus 
Baymax, which there already is a Big Hero 6 show, so I think that's oh, interesting. Yeah. Zootopia plus Tiana, obviously based on Princess and the Frog, and Moana, um, which the first three are coming in 2022, and Moana is coming in 2023. It's a lot of stuff. It's a lot of stuff. They even dropped so all this, this on one tweet. Like I'm reading through this. Is it like the anim- like the like the movie Disney Animation Studio making a series? Because it says the first Correct. ever original series. Yes, it is the Disney Animation Studio for feature films making these series. So it's going to be feature film quality animation every episode. That's what it sounds like, which is intriguing. God damn. The only one of these series, or the only one of these properties that I have any interest in seeing continued is Princess and the Frog. And I'm also hoping that that means they're going to bring back 2D animation, which has been sorely missed from Disney Animation Studios since John Laster shut, shut down that division <laughs> 10 years ago almost. It'd be nice to see some of that come back, but you know they're just going to make her 3D animated. Yeah, but we can dream, can't we? I mean, that everybody hates John Lasser now. It's not like they're trying to preserve his legacy. So you got Tiana that's going to be, I assume, about her running the restaurant. Yeah, probably I would some think voodoo so. magic coming back together. Yeah. Moana could be a cool action-adventure show. They're sailing around. Yeah, Zootopia Moana has Plus. a lot of... I don't what get what say? that is, but... What, Moana? No, Zootopia. I don't get what to do with Zootopia. Moana has potential to me. But Zootopia, what are you going to do? They're cops. Just make a cop show. Oh, no. Wait, Zootopia Different... mishandled police brutality so much the first time. What are they going to do now? Oh, boy. It was... It's complicated. I think they did <laughs> as well as they were going to do for the limitations of a Disney movie. I don't know. I like that movie. Ricardo, you and I have had this conversation before. I, I just... Ugh. <laughs> Uh, I don't get it. I don't get it. All right, it should we move like on? You're animal racist, Garrett. Oh I think no, that's the problem here. <laughs> yes, because racism isn't thinking that there's a yes, problem. Yes, Garrett, explain to me what racism is. <laughs> <laughs> the one well, this is recorded, on Garrett. Call. Be careful. <laughs> I just mean like. I, I just mean like. Ugh, I just. The whole I win again. The whole concept of there are predators that are inherently dangerous, I get, oh, just, oh, I just, it has problems. It just has problems. It's sweaty. The whole concept is sweaty. All right. There are new, there are three new Pixar series also coming to Disney+. Plus. Doug Days, which is a spinoff of Up starring Doug from, you know, the dog, you know, from Up, Doug. Of course. Uh, Lightning McQueen and Mater are going on a road trip in some kind of Cars show that they haven't announced the title for yet. And finally, this is the one that is the most interesting to me, Win or Lose, a series following a middle school softball team where each episode is told from a different character's perspective. Yeah, the description alone of that last one, it didn't really... Grab me, but the promo art looks really interesting. Yes, I I definitely agree. And the f- the the first two series, the Doug Days and the Car series, seems a lot like some of the filler. Not, I guess not filler, but like you know shorts that 
are kind of not that important that we've seen on Disney Plus from time to time. Or Forky asks a question, is that you? Oh, God, yeah, exa- yeah exactly. But, uh, yeah, the the art alone from the win or lose picture here it, it is definitely a lot more intriguing. It's something that'll, I don't know, it's new. It's not Doug or Cars from ten years ago. It's something that we can, you know, experience for the first time a little more. Absolutely, yeah. I'm excited. I think this has a lot of potential for emotional resonance, which obviously Pixar is known for. But let's talk about their other feature film announcements. They're working on Luca, which is about the friendship between a boy named Luca and his best friend Alberto. It is coming June 2021. It looks like it's going to be a sweet time. It's a Disney movie about friendship. Considering that it's so close to being released, I'm a little surprised there wasn't any kind of trailer or even, like, still that looks like finished animation for this one. So I guess we it's really going to be an interesting one to see it come to fruition if we're if most of everybody seeing it might be going in colder than a regular Disney movie. Mm-hmm. What if it does look like this, though? Oh, I think that'd be gorgeous. And Pixar's yeah, been I'd... doing a lot of experimental stuff with their animation on Disney+. Plus. So I, I would love to see a feature-length film in the art style that they tweeted out. Yeah, and more and more people are experimenting with, like, combining that 2D, 3D look. I'm thinking of stuff like the Peanuts movie or Klaus that was on Netflix, I think, oh, last year. Absolutely, yeah. And finally for Pixar, we've got the... Director of Bao, Domi Shi, is working on Turning Red, a teenager who turns into a giant red panda when she gets excited, coming out in March 2022. Yeah, I mean, I'll watch this. I like Bao. What's not to like? It looks really fun, and I like the the premise of it's not like a negative emotion that has the transformation it's just like girl gets too excited turns into a giant panda and ricardo it looks to me from this picture it looks like a lot of the character style of like a steven universe almost you think you, so? you see what i'm getting at it's the mouth the mouth has a, they have a steven universe mouth is that it just like the really circular edges of the mouth mm-hmm. oh yeah i could see that have you guys seen bow Oh yeah, yeah for was sure. Great. I saw Incredibles 2 in the theater. I was working at the Davis Theater in Chicago when that movie was out, and I would just go in for the bow every time because it is it's so it's so lovely. It's good and um, weird and Oh, it's very weird for sure, but it makes it was funny. Yeah, I'm glad they're giving this guy a chance at a feature. Yeah, me too. Oh man. Okay, should we should we get to the to the big heavy hitter now? My goodness, yes we should. It's time for some good old-fashioned Marvel news. Oh, and I will say, I know I've talked a lot about my Marvel burnout on this show. A lot of this stuff looks really promising to me. Again, I wish we hadn't gotten it all at once, but the stuff that they've showed looks good. Yeah, starting off with the Falcon and the Winter Soldier trailer, I mean, a lot of that ending of Endgame was about the setup of how a lot of it was about Sam Wilson taking up the mantle of, you know, Captain America, and this trailer kind of threw me a little bit. It, it seemed like there's going to be some more spy stuff that we were seeing with a lot of disguises again, and 
espionage, but then it also seems like it might be a interesting way to explore the loss of Steve Rogers to, like, I guess the two people that were the closest to him. Yeah, it'll be really interesting to see how they both interpret his legacy for people that were so close to him in different ways. They got banter. This trailer shows them they've got like a dynamic going on. Yeah, it's it's it feel there there is a little shot at the end of Sam Wilson just giving Bucky some crap about being part machine and it felt very you know, there there was some like buddy cop. I guess. Yeah, it's it's a little buddy cop where they're just like kind of maybe not forced to work together, but they are they feel obligated to work together in a way and they still kind of get under each other's skin like we've seen in previous movies i can't and, believe you guys haven't mentioned your boy who is Wyatt that? russell oh right right wait did i miss that part of the trailer did you not know Wyatt russell was in this i don't he think he plays we... ci agent i'm just gonna this is what i'm really looking forward to if they do this how i think they're doing it on the show ci agent is the government appointed captain america Oh. And he's doing all the big press tours and everything, and meanwhile we got Sam. It's like they lit- he literally gave me the shield. I'm Captain America, but the you know, the American people are like, yeah, but you're kind of black. Oh God! We're gonna go ahead with uh, good old apple pie Wyatt Russell, white boy, Captain America. I had no idea about CI agent, but I love that idea. Like, man, I, I am, I'm more excited for this show than I was before. Once again, Seamus, you prove that no matter when we talk about something on the podcast, you will forget it by the time it's relevant again. Apparently, I'll see you next week, boys. <laughs> and that's coming in March, so probably not very long after the WandaVision season wraps up, I'm guessing. And no doubt they'll, you know tease out a little bit of whatever to get people hyped towards the end of the WandaVision. Do you think in WandaVision they'll have like a post credit scene like they would with a movie to tease the next oh, Disney Plus series? That is interesting. To s- I didn't even think about the legacy of Marvel after credit stuff in the context of a show, so I truly have no idea. The show's all wrapped up by like episode 7, episode 8. The whole episode's a big after-season credit. (laughs) Honestly, wouldn't even be surprised. I'd kind of be into that. And then we also got the trailer for Loki, which is coming in May 2021, so not very long after the Winter Soldier wraps its season. And Loki is D.B. Cooper, I guess? I was gonna say, Loki is (laughs) D.B. Cooper! That's insane, I love it. real weird, man, I'm into it. Everything about that trailer has gotten me more hyped for this Loki show than uh, Winter Soldier and WandaVision combined. Just, he looks so, it looks like it's going to be the most fun, at least. There's, it's going to be less seriousness, it looks like, and more just like Loki being Loki in different situations. Tell me, Seamus, at what point in the trailer did you go, wow? <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, immediately after seeing that Os- o- Owen Wilson is like his guard (laughs) yeah owen wilson's here he seems to be the head of some kind of time travel time correction agency yeah it looks very weird very interesting i'm excited to see where they go with it we also got our trailer for the what if series coming in summer 2021 which 
looks about like what it looks like everything that has been promised so far i don't think there was anything that really surprised me with this one but it looks good yeah definitely they're keeping yeah, it. the 3d animation is way better than i thought it was going to be it looks awesome and they're definitely keeping a lot more of these what if scenarios close to the chest because we've definitely had our tease about captain britain with peggy carter and we've yeah I think the rumor of T'Challa being Star-Lord has been thrown around, and of course the Marvel zombies, and that's pretty much the only thing we saw in this uh, trailer that is anything of a bigger reveal of what these scenarios are going to be. And this, I believe, will be Chadwick Boseman's last outing as T'Challa, because I think that they recorded this before his passing, but I don't think they have any other performances from him, so... well. I guess according to... Good one to go out on, I guess. This show looks like a lot of fun. I'm going to be following this one pretty closely. Yep. Yeah. Me too. Also, having more of a sizzle reel is the Miss Marvel series coming late 2021, which they didn't really tell us a whole lot about. They really did Yeah, didn't. I was expecting a shot of her, you know, her giant fists, her big old hands. I, I still don't know how they're going to make that work in live action, but I'll be interested to see it. Also, if they can make a raccoon talk, Garrett, why can't they give a small Muslim girl big hands? <laughs> also coming up, they have confirmed, despite the back-and-forth wishy-washing of Tatiana Mislani, is confirmed portraying She-Hulk in a new Disney Plus series, which will also star Mark Ruffalo as Bruce Banner and Tim Roth returning as the Abomination. So that was all a lie? What was that all about? Who know, Maybe it was a contract dispute. Maybe it was one of those things where, you know, Disney has people lie all the time and say they're not doing whatever. You know, who knows? But I'm excited to see where they take this. Tim Roth, huh? Damn, I never thought I'd see Abomination again. Yeah, is there any word on how they're going to play that? Are they just going to be like, oh, you sure look different, the Hulk? Well, I mean, General Ross has already been in the MCU a few times, so I don't oh, I don't true. think it's really a big deal to have these Hulk characters showing back up. It does make me wonder if they could potentially bring back um Edward Norton. No, no. <laughs> Multiverse they, of Madness. That's true, but I'm wondering if they could bring back Liv Tyler? Is that the one that's in that one? <laughs> I straight up never even saw that Hulk movie. It's not worth your time, Seamus, I'll be honest. <laughs> It's fine. It's the best Hulk movie. That's not saying a lot, that but it's true. That is saying literally nothing, but it is true. <laughs> uh, so here's here... what happened. It's Edward Norton. He's a scientist. He's doing science stuff. He's trying to get rid of the Hulk. Oh no, experiment gone wrong. Now he looks like Mark Ruffalo. And that's how you explain it in-universe. Boom, quick flashback, done. He goes into Hulk. When he comes back, he's Mark Ruffalo. He doesn't understand why. No explanation. (laughs) Here's one that caught me really off guard, is we can see Ben Mendelsohn and Sam Jackson are going to be in a Secret Invasion series, which is not what I was expecting. Yeah, I'm... This is... This is weird, huh? This is not just me? It's a little weird. (laughs) We saw this tease at the end of Captain Marvel and uh, at the end of Spider-Man. So, I thought that this was kind of going to be the next chapter of the movies, but obviously they're tying it into a series, and I'll, I'll be interested to see how they adapt it and how much it ties into the actual movies or not. 
Captain Marvel 2, maybe, I guess. Yeah, maybe. This is essentially a, a Nick Fury, like, kind of solo adventure. We haven't seen that before. Yep. I don't know much about Secret Invasion as, like, a storyline, so I don't... Aside from scrolls, I don't really know what to expect out of this one. That's really kind of where I am, too, Ricardo, so I'm excited to see what's up. Also, I was really surprised to see our next piece of news as well, that Dominique Thorne is going to be starring in an Ironheart series. You guys know the character of Ironheart? I've d- I do, vaguely. Yeah, uh, yeah, Ironheart. I, I definitely, I heard a lot about Ironheart around the time that Endgame came out, for obvious reasons of who mm-hmm. might take up the mantle of the Iron Man role a little bit. A lot of people were saying maybe Shuri from Black Panther or maybe even Peter Parker himself, but I'm glad they're going Ironheart because I know that this is a character that has a lot of, you know, I think a character like this could have a lot of interesting dynamic with the rest of the Avengers and the rest of the MCU in general. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm excited to see how this ties in with everything else. I'm assuming that as disparate as all these different series and movies seem to be, I'm assuming there's some kind of larger endgame-style plan with them, and it's not just throwing everything at the wall and seeing what sticks. In the comics, uh, Ironheart is kind of semi-trained by an AI of Tony Stark, so maybe... Oh! You know, maybe RDJ's back. That's That's true. That's true. Maybe she finds some kind of piece of abandoned Stark tech that he Transcendence-style uploaded his consciousness into or something. Yeah, or they could bring back the idea of the... What was it? The Edith in Spider-Man 2? Yes. About how he downloaded a lot of his own stuff into that and used it as, like, a key to pass on a lot of what he did. So, I don't know. We'll see that again, maybe. It also looks like they're building up their teen heroes. Yes. With with Ironheart... Miss Marvel, you know, teaming them up with Spider-Man. But yeah, it does seem like they're they're building up their roster of teen heroes. I'll be interested to see what they do with that. Give me Squirrel Girl, goddammit. That's what I'm saying, man. Well, we've got, okay. Ironheart, Kate Bishop, Miss Marvel, Cassie Lang, presumably. Who am I missing? Peter Parker. Well, yeah, I'm hoping that they're gonna age him out of being in high school soon enough. Well, then why don't we tap... Miles Morales, then. I know they had a plan for scooping him into the live action anyway, so... That's true. That's very true. All right. Uh, up next? This is a thing that I don't... Who wants... Who wants this? I do, Garrett. <laughs> I want this. Don Cheadle is James Rhodes, a.k.a. Rhodey, a.k.a. War Machine in Armor Wars. A Marvel story about Tony Stark's worst fear coming true. What happens when his tech falls into the wrong hands? A.K.A. every single Iron Man movie, and also most other Marvel movies. That's happened, like, eight different times. Also, this looks like it could very well have been, like, a what-if episode, you know? Like, if they were gonna just do another one of these, they could have just made it animated. This should have been Iron Man 3. Yeah! Yeah, I just... It's... Oh, man. I like the idea of War Machine and, like how i don't know this if if it's good it'll be great and if it's fine it'll just be lost to time i'm gonna sit on the (laughs) uwm quad with my cup of coffee and a sign that says war machine should have died in the civil war (laughs) changed my mind honestly you will not find any resistance between the three of us that he should have been sniped out of the sky 
Well, we know well, where Ironheart's gonna come from. That's true. Oh yeah. That's those two could go together pretty well, but I still don't care. Um, <laughs> at the very least, I, we're gonna see some cool armor designs. Yeah, that's true. Some fun. Yeah, tech. that's true. Uh, these next two pieces of news, I am absolutely ecstatic about. Twenty twenty two will show us James Gunn writing and directing the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special for Disney Plus. I was so happy. I was so excited when I saw this come up on the Twitter thread. I guess he's been pitching this for years. Like, really wants to do it and has a really good idea for it. I'm excited. Is it going to be like Quill teaches the rest of the team what Christmas is? Or like alien holidays coming around around Christmas time? Who knows? What, it could be anything. Whatever it is, genuinely. we're gonna. I'm sure they all have their own celebrations. They're all from different planets. We're gonna. We're getting a bunch of different holidays. And you already yeah. know that Groot is gonna get dressed up like a Christmas tree. Yeah, I'm sure Drax has some kind of weird holiday on his planet. Yeah, like let's go murder the Santa Claus figure type of holiday. Yeah, and then in the same vein as that is a series of Baby Groot shorts on Disney Plus called I Am Groot. Sign me up. Done. Yeah, it sounds great. Um, I I love the Guardians of the Galaxy. They're definitely my favorite Marvel thing in general, of uh, from the MCU at least. I it would also love says to see this. featuring several new and unusual characters. With the cosmic Marvel, that could mean literally anything. Yeah, I'm wondering how, like... Is, is this going to be actual stories, or is it just going to be, like, cutesy one-off jokes, you know? Hmm, it could really go Baby Groot meets Galactus. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say, Groot with Howard the Duck running around? I mean, he's there. We know he's there. Love That's it. kind of what I'm looking for, to be honest, yeah. You've got, um, what's the... Is it just Cosmo the dog? Yeah, Cosmo. Yeah, you've got lots of potential characters for him to run into. And then, I think we already knew this. Remind me if I'm wrong, that Christian Bale is in Thor Love and Thunder playing the villain Gore the God Butcher. I think we knew. I think we just knew Christian Bale. Did we know who exactly he was playing? I think... Well, the rumor was Beta Ray Bill, so I guess we didn't know that he was playing Gore the God Butcher. Oh, if only he was Beta Ray Bill. Don't, don't remind me of my disappointment. There is no way that Beta Ray Bill is not going to show up, Shamus, at some point. Uh, yeah, that's in something true. In these 1,000 Marvel things that they just announced. <laughs> They're going to announce the Beta Ray Bill series soon at this rate. You're probably not far <laughs> off, to be honest. So yeah, I mean, that'll be interesting. I'm excited for that movie. Taika Waititi's doing his Star Wars. We didn't talk about that. But it sounds like in 2025, Taika Waititi's going to be doing his own Star Wars movie. So Whoa, that's new. That's... That's great. See you in 2025. Uh, also announced that Black Panther 2 will be coming in July 2022, still directed by Ryan Coogler, and in, honor to, in order to honor Chadwick Boseman, they will not be recasting T'Challa, but will, quote, explore the world of Wakanda and the rich characters introduced in the first film. It, I'm, it's going to be good. They're going to really put, you know, with how powerful the first Black Panther was and how... Major it is with the sudden death of Chadwick Boseman. I think they're going to put so much into this to make sure it's another absolute smash hit. And I'm, you know, I'm excited to see it. I loved the first Black Panther, and this will be an interesting continuation to see how they'll handle it. And, you know, I'm just excited. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited. I like to the focus 
on Wakanda because just that as a that's one of my favorite places of the Marvel Universe just for design aesthetics alone and just really fleshing out like this country and what they're all about. Yeah, I hope it really does focus on the grief that the characters are going through. I think that I trust Ryan Coogler. Obviously, he's a great filmmaker, but I really hope that they stick to the weight that the passing of an icon like Chadwick Boseman carries. Do you think they're going to kill him off in the actual movie? I was actually just about to I, bring that up. Like, how do they make that transition? I was talking about this with Annie, and I feel like the only way to actually to properly honor him is to make it final, like T'Challa's not coming back. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I think, and I, I think it's tricky how do you kill off a character like that off-screen. Yeah, because with a character like Black Panther, he's gonna die. Like, you want him to go out in, like, some kind of huge final battle or something. Yeah, when when he walks through the portal, when he walked through the portal in Endgame, Reborn, that was, like, people, like, screamed in our theater when we saw that. It was, like, a big moment, it, so they're gonna... Ha- yeah, that was the biggest cheer that wasn't Spider-Man. Yeah, exactly, and... They're going to have to do something really thoughtful and touching, I think, to kind of have that. Because, you know, of course you would want Black Panther to, like, go go out in a blaze of glory, but also, like, you want to show that genuine respect and kind of have more of a gentle touch with it if you're going to be bringing that into the Marvel, I would assume. Yeah, it'll be a fine line to walk, and I'll be interested to see how they pull it off. We also have news uh, that... Ant-Man and the Wasp are back for a new film, Quantum Mania, which brings back the full cast of main characters from the first two films. Plus, Catherine Newton is replacing who ever played Cassie Lang in the other two as Cassie Lang, and Jonathan Majors as Kang the Conqueror, which is big news. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of surprised they're dropping Kang in an Ant-Man movie. Hey, man. What is that supposed to mean? Ant-Man is some of the best of these Marvel movies, man. I love Ant-Man. Retweet, Seamus. Retweet. Right? Come on. Paul Rudd is so... I don't know. He's the best. And his... Just everything about Ant-Man and the Wasp that I've seen in the first two makes me just pumped that we're getting this. And, you know... I'm on board for the name Quantumania a lot. Yeah, right? And plus, I'm sure there's going to be some kind of way for them to make Cassie Lang Squirrel Girl. Oh, you think Kathleen's going to be Squirrel Girl? I, I've kind of had that thought since they did... Well, I mean... Well, she has um, her own Marvel character in the comics. She's part of the Young Avengers. Her name is Stature. Oh, does she does She has growing powers? Yeah, she's her own Yeah, she's her own growing grow Ant-Man machine. Oh, well, never mind. All my theories are garbage. So, yeah, we'll, we'll see where this goes. And then... Isn't Kang supposed to be the big bad to replace Thanos for the next however many years? That was the theory, but I mean, who knows what they're going to do. But I, he's certainly got the potential for it. But, you know, you saw what they did with Baron Zemo, who was the rumored next big bad. Very true. Who was just in Civil War, and I mean, he's popping up again in Falcon and the Winter Soldier, but that was a much more subdued version of that character. Now he's gone full purple. <laughs> and then our final bit of news is... A surprise to no one, the Fantastic Four is coming in a feature film, and John Watts, who's done the Spider-Man movies, will be directing. Damn, you never think you'd see it happen. 
Don't you, though? Come on. <laughs> I definitely thought I could see this happen. I'm just saying, it's been so long since there was... Actually, no, there's never been a good Fantastic Four movie. I was about to call you out on that. There definitely has, like, they've flopped Fantastic Four since, like, the 70s, right? Literally, what did both of you just say about Rise of the Silver Surfer? I never even saw Rise of the Silver (laughs) Surfer, man. Rise of the Silver Surfer is a serviceable film. (laughs) Serviceable is not, like, good. But it's, it's enough. It's Andre Brower is in it. Lawrence Fishburne is the Silver Surfer. It's it's got enough going on. It is That's by default saying. the best Fantastic Four movie. It is by default the best Fantastic Four movie. That is correct. We were discussing that was the f- it before of our like dream casting for the Fantastic Four. We were texting about it about like our castings for the Fantastic Four and what they could be. And I almost want to like have a like a casting pool. Like we each can throw in a couple names and see who gets the most right, because as far as I know, there's, like, no information about this, right? Correct. The The fan favorites, which it does seem pretty inevitable that they are so heavily favored that I think Marvel would be stupid not to pursue it, are Emily Blunt and John Krasinski. There is also, and I think we, we talked about this not on the podcast, just like the three of us, the fan favorite is Zac Efron for... Johnny Storm, which we talked about years ago. Zach Efron. I I know I... That's almost too perfect. I usually forget about everything that we ever talk about, but I have no recollection of that, and it sounds kind of perfect. I mean, you guys have heard my pitch for if you did Fantastic Four like they've been around for a while, and it's Clooney, Vera Farmiga, uh, Jeff Goldblum, who of course couldn't be in the MCU because he already is, and John Goodman. God, that would be the... I would lose my goddamn mind over that kind of movie. That sounds perfect, really. Wait, is Jeff Goldblum Johnny Storm in this situation? Absolutely. Uh, oh, uh, my uh, God. Flame up. He'd die. He'd get off the bill. He'd jump off the building and die because he couldn't <laughs> say Flame on fast enough. Johnny Storm's powers aren't actually activated by saying flame on. I like the idea of as he stutters, though, you he lights up for a second. Like, every time he goes, uh, It's like uh, a pilot uh. light, just sparking. <laughs> but who do you, you guys... You threw I out mean, the idea of Timothy Oliphant as Mr. Fantastic, and I love that visual. I think that works really well. I think he'd be really good at it. I'd love to see him take on that kind of role. Hear me out. You've got Kevin James as The Thing. Oh, okay. <laughs> and Adam Sandler is Johnny Storm. <laughs> 50-year-old Johnny Storm. <laughs> hasn't, still quite hasn't figured out his life yet. That's all I'm saying. That's all. I'm just going to put that on the table. You take it right back off the table, Garrett. I don't want it here. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, we finally made it through. And that wasn't even all of the news. That was just the stuff that we thought was worth talking about. Pretty crazy. And we'll see how much of this stuff even gets made. This is all up in the air as everything else right now, so we will see. But let's move on to our pop culture reference of the episode. Well, boys, I am now one of you. I have finally watched the 1997 Jennifer Lopez Selena. I'm so happy to hear that, man. What did you think about it? Ah, <laughs> uh, I was on the right of my life until 
It all came crumbling oh, yeah. down. It was... I actually, I was really impressed with it. It felt very 90s, the movie itself, but I liked it a lot, and Edward James Olmos and Jennifer Lopez are both fantastic. Yeah, and just for anyone that doesn't, you didn't know how this ended, right? Well, I mean, gleaning off of your reactions, I could tell that she probably died tragically, yeah. but I didn't have any other other information, so I just kept waiting for that other shoe to drop. And it did. It did. So that's going to be our pop culture reference of the episode today is talking about Selena just as an icon and kind of informing people like myself who might not know about her tying in with, you know, the new Selena series on Netflix that isn't getting such great reviews. Yeah, that's disappointing. Yeah, it's too bad because I think there is more potential for a greater exploration of thematic and emotional depth. Not that I didn't think that movie was perfectly fine this is also a movie uh 1997 this is two years after she died so yeah real hot real hot off the that cultural move they must have greenlit this movie immediately yeah jesus i didn't even realize it was like i didn't put it together that it was so close in proximity yeah that's how big she was people also people just wanted a movie just to kind of encapsulate the whole thing Well, I really enjoyed seeing the clips uh, at the end of her and seeing them compared to, you know, the clips in the film. And also, it looked like, based on the credits, that all of the songs in the movie were just the original Selena songs that J-Lo was lip-syncing to. Mm -hmm. Very nice. It looked looked seamless, and that seems like a good way to honor her legacy. Seamus, you you've seen this movie yes, before? Yes, yes, I have. It's it's been a little bit, but I definitely, you know, it's it's a classic. It's so iconic for a reason. Like you're saying, the music is obviously such a major part of this, and it sticks with you whether you are like a fan of Selena before you see it or not. You you definitely understand why she was such a phenomenon when you hear the music in the movie. Yeah, so I guess we should break down the actual truth behind the film and the series that I didn't realize also how young she was when she rose yeah. to stardom and that she was only like 24 when she died. Um, yeah. That really adds onto the whole tragedy of it. Cause not only was she so young, but also just right on the brink of like really like breaking through like kind of globally in America, at least getting that surge in popularity. If, if she was still around today, she'd be like on, Beyonce levels of fame. That's how much of an icon she was. Yeah, and the movie makes her success seem essentially like overnight meteoric rise that one day she was just gaining steam. And I looked it up and it really does seem to be how it happened in life, that truly she had all this talent and that whole family had all this talent that one day something just clicked and they were off to stardom almost immediately. And that's shown in the movie that they did have to grind for like a lot of it, like playing just like at you know, like county fairs or like they had that restaurant for a bit mm-hmm. with their, their dad with his Joe Jackson like <laughs> tendencies. Yeah. I think that's also a thing. People have a problem with the show is because uh, her dad apparently has like a big control over how all that's portrayed. So, yeah, it doesn't go as in depth as maybe it one it could have if it wasn't kind of restricted that way. 
Well, I was surprised to learn that the dad was involved with the film, because I do not think it portrays him in a super positive light. Oh, yeah, it really doesn't. Like, there's... They have, they have like, flashback scenes where you, like, like, you get it, but it's still what he's doing is he's, like, not a good dude. No, not at all. He's putting his own tarnished dreams ahead of the well-being of his family for most of that story. Which I will say, in the film, I was hoping to have a little bit more denouement spent with him, and which maybe there would have been if he hadn't been involved, like him really reflecting on how indirectly he, like, it is his daughter's stardom that ultimately led to her death. And so, how would he emotionally navigate the aftermath of her shooting? This movie holds a, this a, a special place for me just for that one scene where they have the big concert in Mexico. Because I don't think I've ever seen that many Mexicans on screen at the same time. <laughs> That's a good sequence. Yeah, man, where they're gonna where they're gonna kill that one girl? <laughs> uh huh. I really like this movie. Thank you for exposing me both to it and to just Selena as a cultural touchstone. You done been educated yeah, straight up, and I'm I'm kind of sad about the you know, like you said, the middling reviews of the series because I was hoping that maybe we could do that for the show at some point, but it looks like the legacy of selena is gonna stick firmly in the classic movie so yeah i think that wraps us up for our pop our kind of unorthodox semi-review pop culture reference but it's definitely something that i learned a lot about over the last few weeks that we've been talking about this on the show yeah it's always fun to spread that gospel what do we got next garrett now it's time for our pop quiz pop quiz last week boys ricardo emerged victorious during our pop quiz segment which may or may not make the final cut (laughs) of the episode depending on how the audio turns out from last week but as the scores stand ricardo is ahead three to two which means seamus you get to pick the category for this week's contest i'm ready to redeem myself your choices are star wars or pixar i'm gonna do this as a strategic move just because i think i know more about obscure star wars things than ricardo but then i am also setting myself up to look like a a fraud so i'm i'm still gonna choose star wars all right you guys know the rules i'm gonna read the question and whoever gives me the correct answer first gets the point. If neither of you can come up with the correct answer, or both of you say it at the same time, we'll move on to the other category as our tiebreaker question. Are you I'm ready? ready. Okay. The category is Star Wars. Obviously, Patty Jenkins has just announced that she will be directing a Rogue Squadron movie releasing Christmas 2023. In Legends, what original trilogy character is the leader of Rogue Squadron. That would be Wedge Antilles. Right you are, Seamus. Wedge Ooh. Antilles. What, what was that name again? Wedge Antilles. Okay, so it's not Wedge and Tillies. No, 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 no. <laughs> it's funny that you bring that up, Ricardo, because there's a separate character uh, that is the guy that Darth Vader chokes to death on the Tantive Four in... <sighs> 
episode 4, that is named Captain Antilles, who's an entirely separate character unrelated to Wedge. Well, what the hell? Star Wars, keep it together. Has Star Wars literally ever kept it together, Seamus? No, they have not. (laughs) (laughs) Well, speaking of Star Wars, let's move on to our Mando Bros of the episode. But before we do, as it stands now, you guys are tied back up 3-3. to Let's talk Mando Bros. Chapter 15, The Believer. Because we saw his face. Ah, oh, you go straight to hell. <laughs> Before we get into today's Mando Bros, this is an official spoiler warning. Everything we say from here on out is spoilers. I'm guessing it'll probably be like this for next week too, because these Mando Bros just are going from minute one. I had a really good time with this episode. We continue from where we left off in Chapter 14, The Tragedy, with springing Bill Burr's character, whose name is Mayfeld, Mayfeld, of course. I said it a lot in the recap. (laughs) Uh, They spring him from prison. We get just a quick extra shout-out to that other HK prison guard droid that was giving him some sass. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I Mayfeld definitely shines as a character way more in this one than he did on the original Prison Break episode in season one, I'll say that. Don't worry, he's still racist, though. <laughs> Wait, wh- what? What? He's racist? <laughs> well, in the Prison Break episode, he impersonates a Gungan rather derogatorily. Oh, yeah, that's right, yeah, yeah. He's and just... then in this one, he does a lot of, you people, come on, Mando, take your helmet off. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. I, d- I got a little uncomfortable with that, of just, like, Mando sitting in just, like, angry silence of, like, yeah, I guess this bald sniper is making fun of my entire, like, culture and religion, but... So they brought in Bill Burr and gave him the direction of, you know, just, like, do ten minutes yeah, of man. Bill Burr material. <laughs> I don't know. I will say, though, on their journey in the truck, a lot of the stuff that he's saying about, like, the Empire versus the New Republic gave it a feel of, like, you know, a little more fleshed out of the ideology that Benicio Del Toro's character has in The Last Jedi. I was thinking the exact same thing, Seamus. Yeah, right? A, A little bit more of the... There is so much more complexities in the galaxy than just, like... Republic good, Empire bad, everybody agrees, and nobody has any other opinions about it. He's just, you know, he's ex-Imperial, and he's laying it down pretty, pretty honestly. And even though he's kind of being a jerk about it, really, he's saying those things that Mando needs to hear that other characters like Bo-Katan are telling him, which are that it doesn't help you to have a code if that code keeps you from doing what's right. And we see that he actually does learn that in this episode because he takes off his helmet in order to get to Grogu and help him. I was going to ask, Ricardo, you definitely, you're more of an orthodox Mandalorian, so <laughs> taking off his helmet again, it, I'm sure that gave you some spine chills. Yeah, man, I felt the impact. I felt that weight, how hard that was for him. And also, you know, for somebody whose face we barely see, when he does have his helmet off, you can, like, you can visually tell that he's, like, uncomfortable as Din Djarin having his, you know, he's not wearing his armor, any of it. He had to take even the Stormtrooper helmet off. It's 
It's just, it's very good acting. Absolutely. It's really coming through. Honestly, in terms of, I know I say this every week now, it feels like, but in terms of the storytelling going on, this is one of the best, if not the best episodes of The Mandalorian, because its story feels, despite being part of the larger ongoing storyline, it feels self-contained. It has really strong themes and character arcs. It's just, there's so much going on. The action is spectacular. Rick Famuyiwa, who directed Chapter 2 and Chapter 6, I believe, the Prison Break episode, really, really is bringing it with this episode as well. I totally loved, and I kind of saw it coming, but I also loved the moment of tension that they have sitting at the table having a toast with that Imperial officer. It was very much a inglorious bastard slash Django Unchained just like passionate murder that Mayfeld gets into that it you know at once feels exactly like what that character would do and it it felt good I I didn't like that guy he was just being a total jerk I kind of thought he was gonna do a big reveal of like I do recognize you Mayfeld and this has been a trap but it was hold up his his three fingers instead of his thumb I was going to say, say, Alvida Sane to your imperial chest, maybe? <laughs> uh, th- that was a really good scene. And I love learning that depth of Mayfeld's character. Not that it makes us necessarily think he's a good guy, but that we see he doesn't have much love for the Empire, despite being an ex-Imperial sharpshooter. Yeah, and I there's another... There's weird complexity to this character just because of how much Bill Burr has publicly bagged on Star Wars. And I think another very interesting bit of dialogue in that uh, truck ride is that he's explaining that you just do what you got to do for the opportunities that you have. You live your life in a way that is like what's best for you despite whatever code you've set up for yourself. And I almost thought that was a... Uh, maybe a wink of him being like, hey, I get it, I'm in Star Wars, but, like, it's the Mandalorian, I'm getting paid fat bucks for this, and I'm only in two episodes, so I think his own code is, like, meta called into question here again. Is he a big Star Wars hater? Yeah, I'm pretty sure he's got, like, he's... He has entire stand-up bits Yeah, like, bits in his stand-up about how much he hates it. (laughs) The legacy of people who hate Star Wars making Star Wars better goes all the way back to episode four with Harrison Ford. Yeah. yeah. In that, I think it really does, honestly, in a lot of ways, the people who don't really like Star Wars, who are in Star Wars, are usually giving a more grounded, real performance that helps make that universe feel better. And they're often cast well in that they are the skeptics in that universe. Yeah, we. I don't quite think we'll ever see Mayfeld again. I think this was his farewell, but I wouldn't mind him coming back around. Maybe I maybe give him another, give him an episode next season or something of him coming back around, and I I wouldn't mind. Spinoff show? Oh no, not more. Well, I think he could. He's somebody who I could definitely see popping up in Rangers of the New Republic. Oh yeah, that would. I. It's a good call. And I know I kind of trash-talked the Boba Fett stuff a little bit last week, but two things stood out to me a lot. Boba I know Fett's what you are going to say. shiny, clean armor. Yeah. Which looks great. But, you know, 
the thing that we were anticipating last week. Those seismic charges are back, boys. Oh, they've never sounded better. <laughs> yeah, they they knew what they were doing. That's 100%. They could have just made him shoot down those TIE fighters. They knew that they were doing that for the fans. And I'll tell you, playing Battlefront 2 makes you very aware of how dangerous those bad boys can be. God, you're telling me. This was a good episode. It was just a really good episode. Yeah, for what could be considered a side quest episode to, you know, make it to our finale for next week. I think it was... Is that true? Is the finale next week? Finale yeah. next week. Yeah. Oh. We've got the coordinates of Gideon's ship, and we're coming for him. Oh, just a, also a quick shout-out to the absolute badassery of repeating Moff Gideon's speech back to him mm-hmm. from season one. Oh, I love that. Just watching his face grow more concerned of like, oh, this is a bigger problem than I originally thought it was going to be. Because it's like poetry, it rhymes. The penultimate episode of the first season ended with that speech, and the penultimate episode of the second season ended with that speech. Oh, no. (laughs) Also, quick aside that I'm only realizing now, this is the first episode ever without an appearance of Grogu? Right you are, Seamus. Felt a little weird. I thought we were, when they go to Gideon's ship at the end, we were going to get him in his little baby prison cell again, but uh, give him that puppet a day off. Where is he? Where's our boy? (laughs) We are legit concerned at this point. I gotta say, we've got a different crew going into the finale than I ever would have guessed we would. (laughs) Yeah. I don't hate it. I don't hate it at all. But it's definitely, I thought Carl Weathers was going to be here, and you know... There still might be a little team-up sequence at the intro of the finale next week, but as it stands now, it's just uh, Cara Dune and Boba Fett and... And Finnick Shand. And Finnick Shand. Who is also going to be in the Bat Batch, maybe, I think? Oh. Somebody said they saw her in the trailer. Well, I did not notice her in there. But, I don't know. That's that's neither here nor there. Well, it's actually there, but it's not here. Where we're talking <laughs> about the Mandalorian. Uh, yeah, I could see us picking up Carl Weathers... I could see us picking up Cobb Vanth. I don't think we're getting Ahsoka in the finale, unfortunately. Yeah, probably not. She's got her own thing going on. Yep. But next week can't come soon enough. I'm hyped about it. It's going to be glorious. We're going to see Yaddle. I'm putting it down. (laughs) Yaddle is Grogu's mother confirmed. Well, I do think we probably will see whatever Jedi he managed to contact last week on the finale next week. Oh, that's... 100% 100% what's going to happen. And there's going to be a fight between a Beskar Spear and the Darksaber, so that's going to be pretty sick. Yep. So yeah, I think I'm I'm pecking the finale, like the very end of the finale is going to be the Jedi showing up. Yeah. I, I, think, I think I would not bet against that. Whether that's going to be Luke or Ezra or Cal Kestis or oh. Yaddle or some new Jedi altogether. Rumor, there's a rumor that maybe it's going to be Mace Windu. If that happens, I will I will scream. I will flip out if it's Mace Windu. Well, before The Mandalorian, I had pitched you guys my Boba Fett revenge western where he's going after Mace Windu. Oh, We this... can still see that on The Mandalorian. This could be connected. Oh, God. Don't even get me that excited, Garrett. We have a whole week to go. All right, but I think that wraps us up for Mando Bros, don't you? I think so. See you guys next week Mm -hmm. for the finale of Mando Bros until whenever season three is coming out. Well, WandaVision will start and then those Marvel shows just won't stop coming, so 
so yeah, now it's time to save the rec center where we give you our recommendations for the week. Take us in. Yeah. Uh, for one, it's final season right now, and one of the papers that I've been writing about has been about the original 1996 Ghost in the Shell movie, and I had never seen it before this class, and I know it's a classic for a reason, and... I've avoided the Scarlett Johansson remake that has that caught so much flack for so many different reasons and going in watching it clean it was amazing it's genuinely a masterpiece of like neo futuristic you know blade runner it's it's you know every like cyberpunk all this stuff in a genuinely more existential and nihilistic tone than I would have thought so that really blew me away if you haven't seen it it's it's a little old but it's on prime for free so please check it out is it on prime for free Seamus or is it on prime if you're a prime member hmm Garrett I don't I don't know which one is it <laughs> you can cut me being an asshole if you want by the way I genuinely don't know answer uh, the question <laughs> yes it's on Amazon Prime Video very nice. I've really wanted to see that movie for a long time, and I should just bite the bullet. And I have a hard time with anime sometimes, which is probably why I haven't gotten around to it yet. But I've heard nothing but amazing things. Give it a shot, please. It's not. It's not even that long, too. It's only like an hour and twenty, so it's not like a big undertaking. If you just want to dabble in some of the more classic stuff, I, I definitely think you should go for it. Well, for my rec center this week, I'm gonna have something unheard of. A recent movie. Oh, wow. I recently, this week, rented from the Lincoln Film Center, which has their own virtual cinema going right now, the new Chloe Zhao film, Nomadland. I don't know if you guys have seen The Writer, which was her last film, which it uses a lot of non-actors and is kind of about working-class Americans in the West. It's similar in that regard, except the two main characters are played by Frances McDormand and David Strahern in her new film, Nomadland. It's a quiet, contemplative look at what it means to be a working-class American in the aftermath of the Great Recession, and what basic things like individual liberties and community mean in modern America. It's really powerful stuff. Frances McDormand gives an amazing performance once again, kind of like my rec center a couple weeks ago, First Cow, it's definitely slow cinema, but it's engaging and funny and entertaining and heartfelt. And I, it's not streaming anywhere for rental yet. All of the, They had specific screening dates for the Lincoln Film Center, but I'm guessing it'll be coming to virtual art house cinemas pretty soon because Searchlight Pictures has picked it up. So that means it'll probably be coming to places like the Music Box, the Oriental, where you can rent it online. That sounds really interesting. I, I definitely do love a good dose of realism in my film, and Frances McDermott is just a, you know, she's a goddamn talent, so I might have to check that one out when it comes to a wider release. Ricardo, what do you got? Looks like you're you're the odd man out, Garrett, because we only recognize weebs here. I'm doing an anime. <laughs> just like, <laughs> oh, boy. Seamus, I think I've talked about this before. I don't know if I've ever made it a whole rec center, but... I'm going to recommend the only anime I can actually watch, Cowboy Bebop, which I think is 
pure perfection. Just everything it does, it does masterfully. From its sci-fi world to its jazz soundtrack. Similar to Ghost in the Shell with you, Seamus. It's got a bunch of, you know, nihilist, existential, uh, lots of different philosophies going on. It's a short 26 episodes. If you haven't checked it out, please do. It's just a phenomenal work of art. Yeah, I definitely will say that if you enjoy Cowboy Bebop, you will definitely enjoy Ghost in the Shell and vice versa. So, Yeah, I really have wanted to watch Cowboy Bebop for a long time. That's the other thing that's been on my list. It's liter- I've got the DVDs literally sitting in a binder in my room. Because, you know, you guys know what a big Firefly guy I am, and I know it has a very similar premise and tone, from what I understand. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's got more of an episodic situation going on, but yeah, they're very similar. Well, I'm excited to check it out. With that, I think uh, that wraps us up for this week's episode of Pop Culture Reference. I have no idea how long this thing's going to turn out after the edit, so thank you for bearing with us through all of that news. And I'm excited to come back next week for our Christmas special special. Be sure to give us a thumbs up. Leave us a review if you're listening on iTunes. If you're on YouTube, be sure to subscribe. And watch out there for other YouTube-exclusive content, which we have coming semi-regularly. Other than that, thanks for listening and have a great week. Send us more news. Adios, amigos. We want more. Oh, God. There can never be enough news. 